This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The second lesson comes from the book of the First Corinthians. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of all of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him, you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Holy wisdom, holy word. Praise to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, the word Advent means coming, a dynamic coming of the creating grace of God's future into our present. It is a season in which we look forward in hope for the new thing that God is doing. It is an expectant season, a season of anticipation. Ever since the pronouncement of a 12th century monk, Bernard of Clairvaux, the church has understood Advent to be a threefold coming. We anticipate Christ coming into our world and our flesh as we prepare to celebrate the nativity of our Savior. We long to proclaim that simple but astounding truth, even as our forebears in the faith, the children of Israel, longed for generations to hail the promised Messiah. Echoes of that longing are in the haunting hymn, O come, O come, Emmanuel and ransom captive Israel. We know also that Christ comes into our hearts each and every day through the work of the Spirit, through the word of grace, both proclaimed and embodied in baptism and the Eucharist. God is truly with us. Finally, look expectantly toward Christ's coming in majesty at the fulfillment of God's reign in the fullness of time. In fact, the word Advent comes from the Latin. It is a translation of the Greek word parousia, the term commonly used to refer to Christ's second coming. And our gospel reading this day anticipates this return of Christ in glory. All these three ways of anticipating Christ's coming at his birth in our hearts each day and his return in glory, all these are at work among us as we reflect during this Advent season. Paul's first letter to the Christian congregation in the city of Corinth 
captures our attention for the present. The Corinthians were a contentious and fractious lot. There were divisions among them based on loyalties to different teachers, and they were divided in matters of doctrine and practice. Yet, despite all that, Paul is able to begin by thanking God for them. Not because of their bickering or their divisiveness. No, he says to them, because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus, for in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you await the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord. God is faithful. By him you were called into his fellowship, the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul will go on to deal with the problems of division and the disputes among them, but he does not start by saying, you better shape up or else... He starts by affirming their fellowship with Christ and giving thanks for them on that account. And they too are an Advent people, anticipating the revealing of the Christ, the day of the Lord, which is the parousia, the second coming of Christ in glory. They, like we, are also entrusted with the promise of God for the salvation of our broken world, they are called and we are called to bear witness, to bear witness in all to the coming Christ through sharing our faith and pursuing the causes which Christ himself revealed in his teaching and his work. We share the same assurance that Paul gave to the Corinthians that we are not lacking in any spiritual gift to faithfully fulfill our calling as the body of Christ in the world. We are expectant and equipped. Hope for the future now is sometimes hard to come by. But hope in the f- for the future is essential to life. We live from our hopes. The future hopes give meaning and energy to our present lives. Students in colleges or professional schools find meaning in their studies because of the future goal, which they anticipate at the end of their work. Couples expecting to be married have their lives already transformed in the present by that expectation of their future together. Those anticipating the birth of a child have their lives already being shaped in the present by the expectation of a new life in their future. These life-changing events are, are the future, the future creating a new state of affairs. The hopes we have, the goals for which we seek to accomplish, invigorate, and animate our lives. And when we have accomplished those goals, we find new ones in order to keep us alive in spirit with a zeal for life. And even when life is ebbing, 
There is a need for hope in the future. And God gives us the very thing we cannot give ourselves but desperately need, that very future of an everlasting life. Something totally new. A hope that sustains us to the end and gathers others around us who share that hope. Now, I know the logic of, of things, how things work, that the past produces the events of the present, and events of the present will influence future events, both in history and in nature. But from the standpoint of faith, it is the future that creates the present and draws us to it. When God's future enters our present, something totally new happens. Something that never was before. Out of the chaos of the void at the dawn of time, God created something totally new that never was before. An immense universe and a beautiful world teeming with life. Out of the chaos and void of our sin, God in Christ has created something that never was before. Our new creation, born of grace. God is the future of all that is. The final arrival of God's creating future of grace and power is what we bear witness to as our calling, our calling as an Advent people. We are people of hope, called to keep alive the flame of hope for all those who are hopeless. But keeping God's Advent flame alive for hope of the world, which has in so many ways hopelessly gone astray, is daunting. Daunting enough, but it is especially daunting when our own faith and our own hopes are threatened by the world we live in. Ours is a pluralistic world with many different spiritual providers, both religious and secular, all of them seeking our loyalty. The secular hope of the triumph of reason, despite its spotty record, still has some appeal. The appeal of being in control, or at least trying to. It has the appeal of independence from trusting that which we cannot see. A tame Jesus reduced to the dimensions of a good moral teacher is sufficient in this viewpoint. And each gain in science and technology tends to place hope and trust in that which we can invent and manage. It is easy to forget the destructive powers science and technology have released. And I remember years ago attending a conference of Nobel laureates, and one former Nobel Prize winner when asked where he thought science was heading, he said with great confidence, science is heading for the salvation of the world. Okay. In a pluralistic world, many competing religions challenge us to maintain our grip on Christianity's unique message. The current climate of respect for all faith traditions, however desirable and necessary, threatens 
or the danger is that we will begin, or at least the world will begin, to think of our claims about Christ and our confession of the triune God as beliefs that simply belong to the ghetto of the Christian community, just one faith group among others, take it or leave it. However, our confident claim is that the coming of Christ has revealed the promise of ultimate salvation for all creation. We say in Advent that Christ is coming not just for us, but for everyone and for all creatures, great and small. And of course, the biggest challenge to maintaining Advent faith is not outside us, but within us. To be a messenger of God's promise in the coming Christ for the hope of the world requires trust in that promise. Faith is at bottom entrusting ourselves to God's future, risking our very lives on God's promise for the future rather than placing our faith in what we can hold on to in the present. Confessing the creed and saying that is true is only part of faith. As Luther colorfully put it, even the devil knows that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Knowing it is not enough. It is trust that completes faith. Oh, what does trust look like? Well, it shows up in the ways in which we give of ourselves to our neighbors in love, in lifestyle chain choices, in our priorities. But most of all, most of all, it shows up in our ever-deepening sense of the desperate need for God's grace in our lives. Indeed, the very risk of trust is possible only by the gift of God's grace at work among us. And we're all different. There is some variety in how we express our trust in God's good news, and that too is good news. Favorite Dr. Seuss story that I enjoyed when my kids were little is the one entitled Too Many Daves. It uh, goes like this. Uh, it's the story of Mrs. McCabe who had 23 sons and she named them all Dave. So when she said, you Dave, she didn't get one. All 23 sons of hers came on the run. And then the fun begins when Dr. Seuss names all the silly names she could have chosen instead. Well, with apologies to all beloved Daves among us, the message is that if we all have the same name, there is chaos. That is, if we all were the same, it just wouldn't work. But thankfully, we are not all the same. We each have our own gifts and opportunities. We need each other and complement each other and share the blessings of each other in the body of Christ. Keeping the flame of hope alive is a, ma is a, is a, is a ministry, a, a mission of the whole people of God. It's like playing in an orchestra. We each have our own part to play, but all of us share the total sound. Marvelous. This is truly good news. The city of Corinth, which we've been looking at, was a multicultural metropolis with residents from all over the Roman Empire. 
and with them a variety of religious traditions, including pagan traditions. It was a, it was a cosmopolitan city, a center for sports and government. In a pagan world notoriously tolerant of sexual license, Corinth's reputation for debauchery stood out. In short, the Corinthian Christians, along with their very human capacity for divisiveness, lived among many of the sort of cultural challenges to our faith, to faith that we ourselves do today. Paul's word to them is also a word to us. God will keep you faithful to the end, all the way to the realization of God's reign in the final coming of the Christ, when God will be all in all. God is faithful to bring us blameless to that future, not blameless because of our goodness, but blameless by the grace that has shaped us as God's people. We are a new creation, born of grace, to testify to the one who is coming. We will soon share the Eucharist in that foretaste of the feast to come. Christ comes to us, drawing us into the future of God's coming reign, comes to us in his body and blood, even as we await his coming in our human flesh at Bethlehem, comes to us creating us anew as God's people equipped and expectant. Well, come to the table expectant. Anticipate something totally new as the grace of God's creating love floods your very being. And leave the table equipped to spread hope with Christians united in this one body throughout the world. Perhaps you will not feel much of anything this morning. Okay. Just receive this feast of great grace. Maybe dip your hand in the font and remember how you have been soaked with new life. I am sure you will do great things, some quiet, and some loud. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.